0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Hey everybody, this
1: is Peter Sagal. I'm the host of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. We are now officially in the third decade of our show, which also means it's our third decade of asking you, our listeners, for your support. And without you, we cannot bring you the hard-hitting, sensitive journalism you have come to rely on from us. Paula, a a classic product is getting an advisory label now. It's warning consumers against overuse. What is the product?
2: Overuse?
1: Overuse.
2: Ooh, and it's a classic. Too much
1: of this is dangerous.
2: Uh... Uh, talcum
1: powder. No, no, it's not that. You also want to limit the amount of milk you might be dunking them into. Cookies? Yes, well, specifically Oreos. Oreos?
2: Well, a row isn't too many.
1: (laughs) Public radio is listener-supported, which means, first, what you've heard is your fault, and second, your gift allows us to do what we do. Please donate to your station now, which supports programs like us, by giving at donate.npr.org slash Wait. And thank you.
3: From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Hey, Times Square, count to ten. I'm your New Year's Eve bill drop. <laughs> Bill Curtis, and here is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago, Peter Sagal.
1: Thank you, Bill. Thank you, everybody. We're in the holiday sweet spot, that glorious time of year when there are no rules. We can gorge ourselves on leftover Christmas cookies and candy canes before pretending to make all sorts of New Year's resolutions.
3: Peter's God is my witness. I promise to ride the new Peloton you gave me every damn day.
1: One man who has an even more generous spirit than I do is our new friend, humanitarian and chef, Jose Andres. Chef Andres
3: joined us on a beautiful summer day outdoors at Trap near Washington, D.C.
1: in August. Chef Jose Andres, welcome to Wait, Wait, No Time.
4: I've never been surrounded by so many people that they speak proper English at once. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing, My wife and I, which by the way, uh, she listens to you guys all the time. Wow. She's my translator because I can never understand anything you say. <laughs> <laughs> um, she tells me, Can you wait until the show is over so I tell you all the words you don't
1: understand? It's so unfair. Well, really is. <laughs> so, you are one of the world's uh, most celebrated chefs, so we just have to ask you, What do you think of the Popeyes chicken sandwich? <laughs> Um,
4: I waited online and then by the time it was my turn, the Popeye was gone. <laughs> <laughs> but so many amazing chicken sandwiches in America that you are on a line waiting for an hour and next door is another place that has a sandwich as good or better but everybody has to be in the line it's like going to Disney you yeah. go and you are in the line like well sometimes the line is not the way forward people <laughs> find your own line find your own line
1: that's the answer you wanted to that's, get? That's, that's a very, I don't know what I wanted. That's a great answer. I, I know that a lot of chefs, famous chefs, uh, award-winning chefs often have like a, a, a favorite junk food or like something because they're just so tired of like fancy food when they want to eat. Do you have one of those like favorite guilty habits? Yeah. I love canned can food. Cans of food. C-A-N. can, uh, C-A-N? Yeah. Yeah. Can, I got it. Like, what, uh, but do, you, do you care yeah. what's in the can, or yeah. is it just the container? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The- I mm-hmm. like,
4: I, I love, you know, the, the Finding Nemo, the, the, little, the little eggs, the black eggs. They call it caviar, the fancy people. Yeah. <laughs> the, that's good canned food. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you don't have caviar in a can, you can eat spam, and it's good, too. But, yeah. you know, if you can choose, I love caviar, but... but <laughs>
1: I love the fact that after a day of cooking brilliant food for expensive patrons, you know, fabulous restaurants, you relax just with a simple dish of caviar. I I like food in
4: a can. Let me put it this way. Imagine, you are hungry. You have nobody around you. You have a can. You open the can. You are eating. Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Canned food should deserve an opportunity in our lives, people of America. Do
3: you eat SpaghettiOs? You know the little like pasta with the sauce in the... No. No. No, Because <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the caviar of pasta. He has, just he, so you
4: know. He, no. has some, <laughs> he has some standards, Peter. Uh, sardines. Sardines. Oh, yeah, you okay. like that kind of. Mussels. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Oysters.
5: So you just want fish in a can.
6: Oysters uh, come in cans? Oh, yeah. But,
4: but, oh, yeah. but, but, Anything. but the, the fish feels so protected in a can. <laughs> yeah, the fish is lying. They're going, nothing's going to happen to us in here. Take a look what happened to Nemo in the anemone. I mean, in the can, nothing happens until you open it. Yeah. And especially when you knock, can I open you? And the fish tells you, yes, Jose, you can. And then... Yes,
2: you can. Wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: I just figured out your reference to finding Nemo. Did you mean the eggs that Nemo's mom lays in the very beginning of the film, that big pile of eggs... (laughs) Yeah. that are then all eaten, except for Nemo, yeah. which is the, the starting tragedy of the whole story. Yeah. So you <laughs> yeah. are, in this metaphor, uh, uh, yeah. the
4: Barracuda. Uh, no, I am more protective than the Barracuda. I mean, I don't want to eat them the first moment I see them. No, no. <coughs> I, I put them in the refrigerator, I keep them... I, I make sure the temperature is right. <laughs> Only when I feel it's the right moment, I really eat them. Yeah. But I mean, you're not it's a savage. It's, a, it's very different than a barracuda. I mean, I'm, I'm more, like a,
1: more like a seal. I mean, I'm so happy when I eat it, I start clapping. <laughs> now, one of the things we wanted to talk about you is you have a bunch of restaurants. Two of them, if I'm not mistaken, have two Michelin stars, yep. which is a very difficult thing to get in this world. And we understand that uh, Michelin star reviewers, nobody knows who they are. They're not like newspaper reviewers. Everybody knows their name, if not, they're what they look like. Do you guys who want a Michelin star, who might get one, do you try to figure out who they are? Do you, are you like back look of the house for the going? people
7: with the fake mustaches? Yeah, like, I
1: think that guy's from Michelin. <laughs> I'm sure we do. Really? So, if we wanted to convince you that we were a Michelin reviewer so as to get better service, what should we do? <laughs>
4: Well, you come in and you look like a super interesting person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you start smelling the air. <laughs> you see the temperature. Wait a minute, you, you, you wave your finger in the air and then you no, look No, hold on. Mm-hmm. I am overacting, but I it's understand. for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's for you to understand the idea, in yeah, case so, you okay. guys don't get my yeah. English. And, yeah. And usually they may be alone and they're looking to the right and they're looking to the left and they don't talk to anybody that may be
1: a Michelin or it critic. could be a sociopath <laughs> has no friends has happened before i'm sure you get both
4: everybody gets served <laughs> has only happened once but did he how long did that person sit there he and eating the entire three course menu did he really yeah because you know he was going to protest your politics but at he got the a end, peckish he went from one political party to the other that's cool.
1: <laughs> I I want to ask you one more question before the game so you're a great chef you're a master of several different cuisines is there one thing that you're terrible at making like your kids hmm. would, like for example like your kids would never eat your mac and cheese is this going to make it into the show or yeah you i don't have know it? <laughs> it, dep- it depends it depends how
4: honest you are um it's so hard for a chef to recognize. Your weakness. Uh-huh. Let me tell you one thing, can I tell you one thing? You may tell me anything you want. If whatever I did was wrong, it yeah. was not my fault. There you go. <laughs> you are a chef. But I can tell you one thing. What? Some of my most popular dishes, yes. they're never mine. The number one dish everybody in America has repeated yeah. the most, gazpacho. Yeah. You know the recipe, who is from? Yeah, who? My wife. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I love it, and I love her. Her English gazpacho is unbelievable. <laughs> For the English speaking people, unbelievable is beyond unbelievable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Jose Andres, we are so delighted to talk to you, and we have invited you here to play a game we're calling Michelin Star. Meet Michelin Man. <laughs> so as we've said, you've won Michelin Stars as well as other awards, but what do you know, sir, about the Michelin Man, the weirdly bloated rubberized spokes mascot for the Michelin Tire Company? We're going to ask you three questions about the Michelin Man, answer two of them correctly, and you will win our prize for one of our listeners, the voice of their choice on their home answering machine. Bill, who is Jose Andres playing for?
3: Gabriel Patterson of Ruston, Virginia.
1: All right. All right, the first question, the Michelin man, who has a name, it's Bibendum, wasn't always the cheerful figure he now is in advertisements. Early on, around 1900, he was depicted doing what? A, beating up a horse, his main competition. (laughs) B, drinking a glass of nails and broken glass. Or C, eating a pint of ice cream by himself after a bad breakup with the Michelin woman. B as a boy?
4: B B as a boy? I think it's very obvious to me that the correct answer (laughs) is B as a boy. You are correct.
1: I don't know how you figured that out. The idea is, of course, that he was such a tough tire or made of such tough tires that he could down broken glass and nails with no harm. All right, next question. He wasn't always depicted as a tough guy. They changed his image back and forth. In one early poster, he was depicted doing what? A, lying down under a maiden, jumping from a burning window so she could bounce. B, removing a tire from his own abdomen to help a family fix a flat. Or C, letting a drowning swimmer suck air out of his tubes. <laughs> I like
4: the one of the belly giving a tire. <laughs> I don't feel so bad now about my belly. <laughs> I think it's B for
1: belly. And again, you are right. The poster, he's <laughs> pulling a tire out of his own abdomen to hand it to his family. But <laughs> don't so they can fix it. Very generous. Your last question, the Michelin Man was given his own column in a company magazine back in 1907. And here's the Michelin Man speaking for himself. And he used that platform to do what? A. Complain about how his rubber was getting thinner as he aged. B, invite people to come on over and blow into his valves. (laughs) (laughs) Or C, brag about his vast success with the ladies. C? It is, in fact, C. Wow. Wow.
3: (laughs) Bill, how did Jose Andres do in our quiz? His ingredients were perfect. (laughs) Three
1: and oh. Very well done. Chef Jose Andres's new cookbook is Vegetables Unleashed. It's available now. Jose Andres, thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, thank Don't you. Tell Me. Coming up, we talk to a country music rebel and a classical music outlaw. It's Steve Earle and Marin Alsop. That's when we come back on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR.
0: From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu.
1: This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit Apple.com. C O slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
3: From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait Wait Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago, Peter Sagal.
1: Thank you, Bill. you, everybody. Today, Bill and I are squeezing all the last bits of joy from 2019 before we step into all the wonder and mystery of 2020. Will this be the year we finally get flying cars and robot pizza? (laughs) One of the great joys of the past year was meeting conductor Marin Alsop, who overcame rejection from Juilliard by starting her own orchestra.
3: She is now the music director for symphonies in Baltimore and Brazil. When she joined us last summer, Peter asked her, if she always loved playing music.
2: Uh, no, I, I was born with a job. My parents were professional musicians. Well, they my, my dad was a violinist and my mom a cellist. And so they needed a pianist. And so they said, oh, let's make one. So,
5: <laughs>
2: so I was born with a job and really I hated the piano. Ah. I hated it. I retired when I was six from the piano. <laughs> Now, was
1: that because you didn't like the piano, or because you just resented your parents, length, like, this is why you were here? Well,
2: how much time do we have now? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, they, they tricked me into playing violin, and then I, you know, for every kid, there is, a, there is the right how, how instrument. How do you trick a yeah. child
1: to playing the violin? <laughs> okay, I've left really. some
2: candy inside this odd wooden object. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very close, because they said, uh, they said, you want to go to summer camp? You know, and so I already had an archetypal image of summer camp, you know, with sailing and yeah, swimming yeah, yeah. and horseback riding. Somehow horses got in there. And uh, <laughs> they said, oh, before we go, I, we forgot to tell you, you might have to play the violin. And this camp is called Meadow Mountain. It's fondly called the concentration camp for violinists. So that's <laughs> where this... And when you
1: got there, they just put you in your little cell no, and they... handed you a violin? I yeah, mean... the
2: teacher said, um, so you're going to practice from 8 until 1 every day. Five hours. Dude. Luckily, I was 7. I had no real sense of time. Right. <laughs> Wow. They well, put seven years old, yeah. and
1: they made you practice your violin five hours a day, and this well, was supposedly for pleasure, this was camp. Right, I mean, there's but so many things to say. But
2: she was on top to of say. a horse while she was practicing. What were the other activities, like weeping? No, no, the, yeah, weeping. <laughs> <laughs> the only sport we are allowed to do is ping pong. <laughs> and so, I am awesome at ping pong. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> and, and is it true we read that you,
1: you decided at some point you wanted to be a conductor?
2: Well, what happened was that after practicing for five hours for eight weeks, I was pretty good, so I got into Juilliard right after that. But I played in the orchestra, which I loved, and they got some complaints that somebody was trying to lead the whole orchestra from the back of the second violins. (laughs) (laughs) And so... Wait a minute, so they actually brought you in
1: to like, you, yeah. didn't even complain about you? They brought my... Yeah, H- How do you try to conduct the orchestra from the second violin?
2: I think the problem was I was having a really good time. Yeah. I like the timpani guy was really cute back there and yeah. I was just having fun. And, you know, I was just moving and everybody else was, you know, already like Stonehenge and I was busy. And then, luckily, my dad took me to a concert, and I I saw the conductor. He came out, and he started talking to me, uh, talking to the audience, Mm -hmm. talking to me, I thought. And, you know, he was really excited, and then he started jumping around and conducting, and I thought, oh, nobody's yelling at this guy. I could do that. (laughs) In fact, he's doing the yelling. Exactly. And he was sweating and spitting, and, uh, and that was Leonard Bernstein. Oh!
0: Wow.
1: <laughs> Why? So, the, you, the, you, so you saw Leonard Bernstein, and, and I should say somewhat famously, you became, a, I, I, I guess, whats well, a student isn't good enough a word, one of his protégés.
2: I, I did, luckily. and yeah. uh, That was a, a, the highlight of my life. And, 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 how, and, does, uh, how
6: does one become a, a protégé of a conductor? Like, I'm thinking of a Karate Kid. You know, like, is there
2: a lot of work with the swish of the arm? <laughs> There's uh, a lot of that, yes. LAUGHTER <lot of> <laughs>
6: really under the question is that every kid who goes to see a concert thinks he or she can be a conductor, Mm -hmm. right? The actual movement that you make, forgive me, looks simple. So what is it that goes into conducting?
2: Oh my god, these questions, you said they were going to be easy, Peter. (laughs) I said my questions were going to be
1: easy. I said nothing about faith.
2: (laughs) But listen, you know, it's all about body language and sure. connecting. Not only that, and I say this because i
1: I've, I've privileged enough to see you work, uh, something I noticed, most people can't see this because the conductor has their back to the audience. But because music is playing, you cannot shout instructions. You must indicate what you'd like a musician to do through facial expressions. <laughs>
2: You have to have a, a wide range of dirty looks. Definitely. Really? Or encouraging looks or <laughs> questioning. looks.
1: Or, or maybe it just looks like you're not really going to play it that way, are you? Uh, sort of more like that. Or
2: also, you know, you have to anticipate. Sometimes people are about to play at the wrong moment, you know? And you have to kind of anticipate, like, preventive conducting, I call it. You know, like, <laughs> don't do that.
1: <laughs> well, Marin Alsop, it is a pleasure to talk to you. But we have, in fact, asked you here to play a game we're calling... You're a good conductor. But are you a (laughs) superconductor? You're pretty good, we have heard, I have seen, at musical conducting. But what do you know about the other kind of conducting? Conducting electricity. Uh. (laughs) We're going to ask you three questions about that other kind of conducting. If you get two right, you win a prize for one of our listeners, the voice of anyone they might like on their voicemail. Bill, who is Maren Alsop playing for?
3: Lucinda Watson of Chattanooga, Tennessee, who was this month's winner of our Smart Speaker Quiz. You could be a winner, too. Just ask your smart speaker to open the wait-wait quiz. All right, you ready to do
1: this? Here we go, Maestro. Lightning rods were all the rage after they were invented in the late 18th century, so much so that they turned up where? A, attached to racehorses, hoping they'd give them an extra kick, (laughs) B, on cannonballs in the hope that it would attract lightning onto someone's enemies, or C, on top of ladies' hats because they looked cool. Oh,
2: Let's see. We got the horseback. We have the, we got cannon the cannonball. Balls.
1: So it would fly over there. Lightning would hit the cannonball, blow up your enemy. Or ladies' hats because they looked
2: stylish. Yeah, but that would hurt, wouldn't it? The ladies? That, that, could, be, that could be really dangerous.
1: Well, ladies what have already made sacrifices for fashion.
2: We're going with the hat? Yeah. Okay, we're going with the hat. You're going with the hat. You're all right. Wow!
1: Yeah. It's amazing, by the way how you got them all to work together like that. (laughs) All right, next question. Electric fences are excellent conductors, of course, but they're not just for farms. Someone once seriously suggested using an electrified fence for which of these uses? A, surrounding mixed martial arts fighters at the first UFC bout. (laughs) B, keeping the political press from harassing senators. Or C, managing the line, which gets quite extraordinary, at Franklin's Barbecue in Austin, Texas.
2: Okay, I'm going to go with the barbecue because the electric and the barbecue, it sounds kind of...
1: No, it wasn't the barbecue. It was the mixed martial arts. But I just want to say that I'm glad that you mentioned the barbecue because the only reason I put it in here was that they would hear it and send us some barbecue. So I appreciate the help. All right. You get this last one right, you win. Your last question is about superconductors. These are the remarkable materials that conduct electricity with almost no resistance, very useful in industry and science. In 2010, a group of Japanese scientists made an incredible discovery about superconductors. How did it happen? Was it A, one of them was picking out ham at the grocery store freezer section, noticed it was colder than the frozen chicken. That led to the discovery that ham makes an excellent superconductor. B, an incompetent lab assistant made contact with two electrical leads and the current passed through his body with excellent efficiency without harming him, so he now works as a professional superconductor. <laughs> or C, the scientist got drunk, dunked a superconductor in booze, and discovered that red wine increased its conductivity 62%.
2: C. All right, we're going with C. I'm trusting them. It they is were right. C. It wow. is
5: amazing. Oh,
1: What happened, they all got drunk, and they were like, oh, what are all these boozes? So they tried all the boozes in the superconductor, and they got amazing results. Red wine increases conductivity of the substance they were using, 62%. Bill, how did Marin Alsop do in our quiz? Well, she's a winner in our book. Oh, Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> Marin Alsop is the music director of the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. Marin Alsop, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Us. You. You going to tell me? Give it up for Master Alsop. <laughs> So if you face classical music and turn 180 degrees, you'll be looking at Steve Earle, a country music singer-songwriter who doesn't really fit the Nashville stereotype.
3: Steve came to Chicago last spring, and Peter asked him if he considers himself a country musician. I've, I've been called country
7: singer, country rock singer, and folk singer in the New York Times crossword puzzle. So I think Oh, really? I wow. Oh, yeah, so you have great. one
1: of those great names with a vowel to begin and end. You're all
7: set. My dad, I'm in there a lot. My dad thought I'd finally made it when I made it to the New York Times Crossroads. Really every week, so. yeah, well, okay, yeah congratulations
1: um <laughs> you you got your start uh, really early you this, you knew what you wanted to do from a very young age right?
7: yeah i i you know i didn't finish school because i, I, I regret that now but but I just didn 't see how they were going to teach me anything more about what I wanted to do and my my parents were incredibly supportive, but I finally dropped out when I was sixteen and I, I started playing coffee houses and I met all these Guys that have been playing folk music for a lot longer than I had, and that's where I first heard of Towns Van Zant and Guy Clark. And my new record is a record of songs written by Guy Clark because I made a record of Towns songs ten years ago, and I do not want to run into Guy on the other side having made the Towns record. <laughs> yeah, Van I understand. Van Zandt. he wasn't like that. Me, was yeah, exactly.
1: I, we read that you you were such a fan or, of Towns Van Zant that you actually like went to where he was and tracked him down.
7: I did that. I did, did the same thing with Guy. I, I, I tracked Towns down in Houston and. Uh, he turns up at my gig, there's about four people there, you know, including Towns. And the second set, I finally come down and here's Towns sitting in the front row. He's pretty, he drank a little and um, <laughs> he was pretty lit and he was sitting there and he did not make a sound while I was actually singing. But between every song, he'd lean back and go, play the Wabash Cannonball. <laughs> I get to trudge along and then get to the play the Wabash Cannon. I finally had to admit I don't know the Wabash well, well. Cannon ball. So. and uh, he then he said you call yourself a folk singer and you don't know the Wabash Cannon. And I'm like, so I played this song called Mr. Mud, Mr. Gold, a song of his that has about a million words. And then he shut up. Yeah, <laughs> well, And
1: you then ready.
7: We, we introduced ourselves afterwards and, and, uh, and he became a teacher
1: for, oh, wow. for some time. That's really amazing. Yeah. Um, you've been through a lot. I mean yeah. if you read a little bit about you you find out I mean like for example uh you played uh, a recovering addict in the wire I did and and apparently it was, it was not a, a stretch for you as it was.
7: Yeah, you know, David Simon's idea for, for me to become... I was offered acting roles when I was a lot younger and a lot better looking than I am now. <laughs> and I hated it when actors made records, so I just always turned them down and didn't think it was something I wanted to do. But David's a big music fan, and he called my manager. He says, I've got this character, and I think Steve could do it, and would he like to read for it? And I read for it on, you know, just on the, made a tape in a, in a studio. And you know, it was I played a redneck recovering addict, so like you said, I
1: didn't have to really act. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we were reading this, you live in New York, and the most amazing thing we read is that y- your, your enthusiasms in New York are yoga and Broadway musicals. That's
7: pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and baseball. And <laughs> baseball. In baseball. Yeah. Y- yoga. Yoga was just a thing that was sort of. Um, um, I, I fish with a fly rod, and I, I get to, I travel places where that's fun to do. And I fell in a river for the first time, you know, and I was just getting back in the bug, floating down to the next spot, and talking to a friend of mine. And I just said, man, my core strength is just going. <laughs> and, and he said, well, you know, I've been taking yoga a couple of times a week. A guy comes, and I thought, I spend money on dumber stuff than that. But, <laughs> So, I'm kind of an old hippie anyway, and so I've known about these things all my life. But through that association, I met a yoga teacher in New York and uh, started uh, studying with her. I'm on blocks and, you know, a lot of cheating going on (laughs) because I started when
1: I was
3: 60. Yeah, I understand that.
1: Um, You've uh, you've been married six times, seven times, six times? Seven times, six wives. Right. And, so,
7: and, it, and, and, and I have to correct the, for the record, seven divorces. Oh, excuse uh, me.
1: I'm I, single uh, at the moment. You, oh, excuse so. me. Okay. <laughs> now, when people, when people talk about people who've been married a lot, we often joke about you know, hope over experience, and you know they just think this time it's going to work out, and we talk about people's optimism. What I was thinking about in your case is, is how do you, if you meet a woman and the woman knows you've been married, say, let's pick middle five times before, how do you convince her? Like, no, really, well, well, it was always here, their
7: fault. Well, wait a minute. No, that, no here, here's, here's the real question: Is if you've been married six times and you meet a woman that's willing to marry you—that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. What? What? You know? It's a, yeah, that should give you pause. And, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> and I'm finally starting to get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, Steve Earle, we've invited you here to play a game we're calling...
3: Steve Earle, meet
1: Steve Urkel. (laughs) As I'm sure you remember, you've been around. Yeah. Uber nerd Steve Urkel was one of the most popular TV characters of the 1990s in the show Family Matters. I'm guessing you didn't have a lot of time to watch TV in the 1990s. You know what,
7: I, think I'm, I don't think I've ever seen a complete episode of well, Family Matters. That's great, because that that's the whole right. principle I, I that know. you're not I, supposed
1: to know anything. Know. Knowledge hurts. I, I, was so, I was
7: hoping you guys would mess this part up. Yeah, out, we're going it. to ask
1: you three questions about that icon in the flood pants and suspenders. If you get two right, you win our prize one of our listeners, the voice of their choice in their answering machine. Bill, who is Steve Earle playing for? Brian Hines of Pleasant View, Tennessee. All right, you ready? Cool. Here's your first question. Now the popularity of the character of Steve Urkel was great for the actor and the TV show, but bad for whom? A, the actual Steve Urkel for whom the character was named, who spent a decade enduring jokes and disappointment that he didn't talk funny. B, the belt industry as Urkel's suspenders caused a 40% decrease in sales. Or C, speech therapists who had to deal with people trying to talk like Urkel. Oh, well, uh, um, let's say B. You're going to go for B, the belt industry? (laughs) People (laughs) stopped buying belts because the suspenders were so sexy? Yeah. No, it was actually the real Steve Urkel. The real Steve Urkel. There was a real guy named Steve Urkel who the character was named for, and he did not enjoy it after a very short while. (laughs) Two more chances. Here's your next question. Urkel's popularity led to a number of branded products, including which of these? A, Steve Urkel nerd glasses with masking tape pre-applied. B, Urkel O's breakfast cereal. (laughs) or see an automated chess player called the Mechanical Urk. Breakfast cereal, I guess. It it, is the breakfast cereal.
5: Yay!
1: (laughs) Last one for all the marbles. Jaleel White, the actor who played Urkel, went on to have the usual struggles of an actor associated with one role. He tried appearing on Dancing with the Stars, but what happened? A. Asked to dance in flood high pants and suspenders. He swore and stomped off the set. B, he was so obnoxious to other participants it became known as Jerkle. <laughs> or C, he insisted on doing his own choreography for the jitterbug section and broke a hip. Oh, let's see. B. B, it is B. He, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. He denied the rumors that he was unpopular and said he got along great with everybody. He was still voted off the show, though. <laughs> Bill, how did Steve Earle do? What a smart
3: guy. <laughs> <laughs> he got two out of three, so Yay! you won! Congratulations, Yay! Steve!
1: Steve Earle's new album is called Guy. It's out now wherever you listen to music. Steve Earle, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us here. Steve Earle, everybody! <laughs> When we come back, best selling author Jennifer Weiner reveals how her mom reacted when she published her first novel called Good in Bed. And Anthony Anderson from ABC's Blackish reveals the pain and pleasure of going to work with his mom. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR.
0: Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how her team makes an impact.
6: We always do what we like to think of as actionable science. So the work that we do makes its way to things like nutrition and physical activity guidelines for cancer.org, where millions of people come each year to learn about how they can better prevent cancer.
0: To learn more, go to cancer.org. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viore. Jump into a new perspective on performance apparel.
3: From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. Here is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago, Peter Segal.
1: Thank you, Bill. In just a few days, 2019 will be a distant memory, and we'll look back and laugh at all the money we spent on things like oat milk and CBD underpants.
3: In 2020, I'm looking forward to oat milk underpants.
1: (laughs) Before we go, we want to spend a minute remembering the good times and people we met earlier this year, including novelist Jennifer Weiner.
3: Jennifer joined us in her hometown of Philadelphia in June.
1: We started by asking her how she got her start. So uh, you came to Philadelphia as a journalist. Came
6: as a journalist. Uh,
1: and you published your first novel in 2001.
6: 2001.
1: Which was, like uh, many first novels, uh-huh. uh, autobiographical.
6: A little bit, So yeah. if you write
1: an autobiographical novel called Good in Bed, mm-hmm. aren't you bragging a little?
6: Everybody says that like the happiest day of your life is when you get to go tell your parents that someone is publishing your book. Right. And I'm sure this is true for every author who did not call their book Good in Bed yeah. and has to go tell mom. And my mother, who had been incredibly dismissive, she didn't believe me. And and so I got to go home and I said, you know, Simon and Schuster is publishing that novel. And and she she started to cry and she gave me this hug and, and we had this moment and, and then she sort of draws back a little and says, What's it called? So I say good in bed and she says, What? And I said, it's good in bed, Mom. And she sort of draws back and she says, Jenny, how much research did you do?
1: <laughs> As an autobiographical novel, though, did you include uh, identifiable details about people you knew and I... had grown up with and perhaps who had mothered you? Uh,
6: <laughs> yes, I mean, my, my mom had been married to my dad at one point and then they got divorced and then about 10 years after that happened, my mom fell in love with a woman. Um, you know, and we were, me and the, my siblings, we were shocked by this and didn't know what to make of it and, you know, kept asking each other, like, did, did you know? Did, did you know? Like, well, Show was like softball, and I'd be like, "That that is a stereotype, but you know, <laughs> so. What was, what was it like, I mean, usually we ask people, uh-huh. what was it like to come out to your parents? What uh-huh. was it like for your mom to come out to you? It was weird. What'd she man. say? She didn't tell us, right? She so showed my, you. Exa- that's exactly <laughs> what happened. My, my youngest brother, Joe, went home to do his laundry, and calls me at work at the Philadelphia Inquirer and says, there's a woman living in the house. There's shoes, and they're not Fran's shoes, and there's clothes, and it's not Fran's clothes. And then he said, and I was in mom's bathroom looking for toenail clippers, and I found all these love letters signed Karen. So I call my mother up, and I say, Joe says there's a woman living in the house, and there's this pause, and then she says, that's my swim coach.
1: Oh, my God.
6: See now, I should have known then, right? Yeah. <laughs> but but did you, did I was just like Fran, you know, you're 54 and it's not an Olympic year, so.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> and then, and then she says, you know, that's that's Karen, and she's the aquatics director at the West Hartford JCC, and uh, we're in love, you know. See you for Passover, kind of kind of thing. It's, it, it's,
1: and you wow. said to yourself
6: that night will be different from all other nights. It's yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> Boy,
1: uh, your latest novel misses everything. Yes. Uh, is about your mother. Well,
6: it's loosely inspired. Loosely, right. Yeah. It's
1: loosely inspired. Little, a little
6: more, a little more thickly veiled this yes, time. Yes.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's yeah. a woman who's gay and who's, who grows up at a time when that is totally not allowed. Exactly. And I, I was reading. It's really gripping and interesting. Um, and there's a sex scene
6: pretty <laughs> early
1: on. I know. <laughs> what was what was it like to write a sex scene involving your
6: mother? Horrible, was it horrible? Horrible. It was. I, I just had to sort of pretend that she was never ever going to read this, and that I was never ever going to see her again. Right. I was never ever <laughs> going to meet. And she would somehow be like hit on the head and forget my name or the very right. fact of my existence.
1: Has she in fact read it?
6: Uh, yeah. And what
1: did she have to say? <laughs>
6: she said, "My daughter has a very vivid mm-hmm. imagination."
1: All right, Jennifer Weiner, we are delighted to have you here. But now it is time to play a game that we're calling... Weiner? Meet a whiner. It is the best ever time, not to be named Weiner, but to be a Weiner with so many places you can leave complaints. We're going to ask you three (laughs) questions about negative reviews we found on TripAdvisor. In particular, (laughs) reviews written by frequent TripAdvisor reviewer, my own father, Matthew Sagel. Oh. <laughs> so we're gonna ask you th- So we're gonna ask you three questions about reviews left by my father, yes. Matthew Sagel. Yes. Get two right, you win our prize for mm-hmm. one of our listeners, my father criticizing the size of your portions on your voicemail. <laughs> Bill, who is Jennifer Weiner playing for?
3: Lynn and Diego Worchowski, who are celebrating their 25th anniversary oh. here today.
1: Hey! Oh nice! Don't let them down. So here's your first question. What did my father, uh-huh. Matthew Sagel, say uh-huh. about an Italian restaurant in Salem, Massachusetts? A quote <laughs> I was disappointed to find the bread basket did not have those crunchy breadsticks. I like them. <laughs> <laughs> B quote I have little patience for excuses which we got, like very busy tonight. Mm. I didn't notice a busy night discount. Mm. Or C, quote, despite what the waiter might tell you, pizza bagels are Italian food, and they should serve them. Mm. (laughs)
6: Okay, I have to pick one?
1: You have to pick one, yeah.
6: Mm. There's like an attempt at a joke embedded in one, which is what I could see Peter Sagel's father making. All right. It sounds like he was trying to be funny. Yeah, where's the late people discount?
1: That's the one, of course, yeah. Here's your next question. There's another Italian restaurant that's got a bad review in Sarasota, Florida. What did my father say about their ambiance? A, you don't get that warm feeling that they are glad you are there. It's more like, I wish all these people would go away so I can go home. B, I think those Chianti bottles with candles in them are nice, and I don't know why they don't have a few. (laughs) Or C, just so you know, the picture above the bar supposedly of Rome is really of Naples, oh. and they should know that. Oh,
6: oh. I, I'm going to say I'm going to say it was the mural one. The mural was. was you like that? The audience likes that. <laughs> oh,
1: it oh was no. actually the first one. Oh, no. they, didn't you get make the feeling it they didn't make welcome. Huh? I'm. Really
6: Sorry, I mean, he I'm needs to go to well. the Olive Garden. When you're right? there, you're family. your are family. Yeah. And they have the oh, breadsticks. Geez.
1: All right, here's your last question. Okay. Get this one out, right, you win. All right. As part of a yes. pretty negative review of a Massachusetts seafood restaurant, what did the reviewer, my father, <laughs> Agra, say to the server, Lorna? He sent her a message in the review. Was it A, to Lorna, I won't send you the bill for the shirt you spilled sauce on because I probably would have done it myself soon anyway. <laughs> B, Lorna, just so you know, when I asked you to write down the specials, it's not because I'm annoying, it's because I'm hard of hearing. Or C, at a girl, Lorna, you should be working in a place that deserves you.
3: Oh. Wow.
6: Um, geez. I'm gonna say he said something nice to the waitress.
1: You are exactly right, because that's my kind of guy my father is. Bill, how did Jennifer do in this quiz?
3: She is so interesting, we're gonna give her two out of three and a win. Congratulations,
1: Lorna. Jennifer Weiner's new book is Mrs. Everything. You should read it, especially if you are her mom. Jennifer Weiner, thank you so much for being here on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. What a pleasure. Jennifer Weiner, everybody.
0: Support for NPR and the following message come from State Farm. As a state farm agent and agency owner, Lakeisha Gaines understands the support small businesses need.
6: Knowing that no business is the same, knowing that we're all impacted by things that are beyond our control, like catastrophes, and hearing and listening and understanding what's important to a business owner, understanding how much is truly affordable and what makes sense at that moment. Because a three-year psychiatrist is gonna be very different than a 20-year doctor. And a two-year sign owner is gonna be very different than a one-month restaurant owner who's just trying to figure out what's gonna be on the menu next month. Those are the things that I think are extremely important that come to my experience as a small business owner. It's me figuring out how to help the people that I live with, how to help the people that I work with, how to help the people that I
0: volunteer, here with. Talk to your local agent about small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
6: This message comes from NPR sponsor Grammarly. Change the way you write with Grammarly Go, offering personalized generative AI communication assistance. Grammarly Go helps you ideate, compose, rewrite, and reply thoughtfully. Go to grammarly.com go.
1: You've seen Anthony Anderson on TV and in movies. He hosts the new version of To Tell the Truth and he's the father on ABC's award-winning comedy Blackish.
3: Anthony joined us in August and Peter asked him about joining the long list of beloved TV dads.
1: So Blackish is like you're saying you've done so many things but let's just focus on Blackish because there's a huge tradition of like family sitcoms, right? It goes back to God, I don't know, Father knows best. and and and, and is it like a burden to be right now, America's favorite TV dad? No,
5: we, I just want to get out there, where we just want to get out there and tell our stories and, and have fun doing it, and, and hopefully it resonates with an audience the way that it has for the past six years.
1: And, and do, you, do people, like, assume you're wise because you play a TV dad?
5: No one would ever assume that I'm wise. All right. That's... that's get that straight, right? All yeah. right.
1: That's fine about Black, because I wanted to talk to you about the much more challenging and important thing that you do, which is hosting a game show.
5: Not not only hosting a game show, but hosting a game show with my mother as my sidekick. What? <laughs> what? Nobody told me this. Your your mother is your sidekick? Yeah, my mother uh, is Mama Doris. That that's my that's my real mother, the woman that birthed me. Right. Uh huh. And it's funny how it came about. I was doing an episode of Celebrity Family Feud with uh-huh. me, my mother, my sister in law, my brother, and my aunt. That's on the show. Jesus. And the first question is uh, posed to my mother: Where would a naked magician pull a rabbit out of? (laughs) And without hesitation, my mother
1: screamed to the heavens, "His (laughs) Steve!" And did did Steve Harvey give her one of those five-minute-long burning looks (laughs) like he said. Oh, no, no,
5: burning laugh.
1: Production shut down literally for about
5: five minutes.
1: Right, just you're all dealing with that.
5: Yeah, and after the show, uh, the producers came over to me and said, hey, Anthony, can we talk to you about your mother? And I was like, hey, guys, I told you she was a live wire. I I do apologize. (laughs) And they were like, no, that's just it. We want your mother to be on your, your game show with you to tell the truth. And I was like, really? And they were like, yeah, what do you think about it? I said, I think it's great because it gets her off my payroll and puts her onto yours.
1: Now that she's a celebrity, has it gone to her head? Is like she demanding a bigger trailer than yours now, or what?
5: Uh, demanding bigger trailer, wants to get paid more than I do. Uh, she has an entourage. She has her own personal wig maker. Oh, my God. <laughs> That so is amazing it, Yeah, she, she's evolved She is truly a diva We, we evolved. Wait, I'm, I I'm have
2: sorry. a question Wait, If go back to the magician The naked <laughs> magician <laughs> <laughs> I don't see any other answer
1: <laughs> Yes I was,
2: I, mean, no, I was thinking the same thing, yeah, Paul I mean, I no, know go, no disrespect to your mother's cleverness But no, what no, other no, answer no, is neither there? Neither do
5: I yeah. And that <laughs> nice answer was on the board
1: yeah, Absolutely <laughs> Now we heard that you are a pretty enthusiastic golfer and in fact you've golfed with President Obama. What was that like?
5: Uh, That was one of the best rounds of golf I've ever played. Uh, President Obama talked a lot of trash and and I'll tell you this, he took all of our money. Did he really? he's, He's that good of a golfer. It was Chris Paul, myself, Michael Phelps and uh, President Obama. President Obama doesn't hit the ball long off the tee. He hits it about 220, 230 yards, but he hits it straight as an arrow right down the middle of the fairway, and he ended up taking money from all three of us. I was about to
1: say, you say he took all of your money. You, Chris Paul, and Michael Phelps have a lot of money. Obama didn't have a problem taking any of it. No, he wasn't. I mean, was he like, you know, so we're gonna play, we're gonna make this interesting? Is that was, was he just like <laughs> that's how you're gonna he play?
5: Kind of suckered us into a bet. <laughs> how so? No, Because we didn't know if we could approach uh, uh, President Obama like that with the bet, so we bet amongst ourselves. And on the third hole, while we were teeing off, Obama was like, so uh, you guys aren't going to include me into the bet? (laughs) (laughs) And And we were like, oh, well, sure, Barack, come on, get on board, this is what we're playing for. He was like, all right. And he commenced to whip our (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, Wow, what a delight to talk to you, Anthony, but we have invited you here to play a game that this time we're calling... You've been sent down to double-A. Your initials are AA, of course, which made us think of double-A baseball, that is the minor league, so we're going to ask you three questions about minor league ball. Answer two correctly, you won our prize for one of our listeners, the voice of anyone they might like on their answering machine. Bill, who is Anthony Anderson playing for?
3: Eric Christensen of Anaheim, California. A
1: local. All right, you ready here? I'm ready. All right, here's your first question. Minor league teams are famous for their promotions, right? One promotion thought up by the West Virginia Power was stopped before it could happen. What was it? A, Animal Sacrifice Night, (laughs) in which they were to recreate with a live goat, an ancient pagan ritual. B, salute to indoor plumbing night, in which they would close the bathrooms and ask everyone to use porta-potties instead, or C, wife swap night, in which everybody had the chance to go home with somebody else. Wow. West Virginia, that's definitely
5: wife swapping.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You are very certain. Yes. You went for the wrong stereotype, it's indoor plumbing. They swooped indoor plumbing night. They wanted to do this because the idea was you really appreciate indoor plumbing when you don't have access to it, but the health authority shut them down so they weren't able to All do it. I have to say is you'd really appreciate someone else's wife if you have been married as long as some other people have been. Alright. <laughs> Here's your next question. You still have two chances. You can, you can still win this. Um, something that's never happened before happened at an Atlantic League minor league game. What was it? A. A player swung his bat so hard it came around and hit him in the head so he knocked himself out. B, a coach was ejected from a game for arguing with a robot umpire. Or C, a pop fly was caught and carried away by a seagull resulting in the first ever bird-assisted home run. The baseball player swung the bat so
5: hard that it swung around, hit himself in the head and knocked himself out.
1: Oh, the audience doesn't like that. I don't know if you can hear, Anthony, but they're all saying it's B.
5: I'm going with Hunt, swung and hit himself in the head and knocked himself
3: out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I admire you, sir, but they were right. Uh, it was, in fact, dude. Uh, They're trying out this thing where a robot calls balls and strikes. A coach did not like the calls, argued, and was thrown out by the human umpire who was monitoring. Alright, you have one more chance to get one right. Here we go. Minor league games are known for their shenanigans, but one catcher tried something that cost him his job. What did he do? A, he carved a potato to look like a baseball and threw it to trick a runner while holding on to the real ball to tag him out. B. He used poison ivy to turn the opposing pitcher into an actual belly itcher. (laughs) Or C. Tired of squatting behind the plate, he dragged a Barker laundry out there and just sat there and challenged them to make him move.
5: I am going to have to go with carved a potato and threw it to to get the person out, and while he held onto the ball. That's
1: exactly right. And I just want to say, he did this. It worked. He got the guy out, but he was immediately thrown out of the game, and his baseball career was over. But the base, no. the potato ball, is now preserved in a baseball museum. It was such an amazing thing.
3: Oh, love it!
1: I do too, Bill. How did Anthony Anderson do in our? You got quiz?
3: one out of three.
1: That's okayish.
3: Congratulations, yeah. Anthony.
1: Anthony Anderson has been nominated for an Emmy for Best Actor in a Comedy again for his lead role in ABC's Blackish. Anthony Anderson, what a joy to talk to you. Thanks for joining us on Wait Wait, Don't Tell Me. That's it for our look back at 2019. Wait Wait Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. BJ Lederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dernboss, and Lillian King. Our technical direction is from Lorna White. Our business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is California Ian Chillog, And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Michael Danforth. Thanks to Bill Curtis, all our panelists, all our guests. And thanks to all of you for listening this whole year. We are so grateful. I'm Peter Sagal, and we'll see you next week. This is NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.
6: This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just fifteen dollars a month. To get your new phone plan for just fifteen dollars, go to mintmobile.com/slash-switch.
0: This is my voice. I can tell you a lot about me, and I'm not changing it for anyone. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of NPR episodes centered on Black experiences. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.